Hello and welcome to the Axiom Insights Learning and Development Podcast. I'm Scott Rutherford. This podcast series is about the people, processes, content, and techniques that drive organizational performance through learning. This episode is the first of three episodes focusing on leadership in learning and development, and it's a way to mark this podcast series' first anniversary. Thank you very much for listening and subscribing. So let's jump into learning leadership with Tracy Salters. Tracy is the Director of Global Learning and Development at American Airlines, a role he's held for the past 12 years. And to start our conversation, I asked Tracy to describe his position at American Airlines and to talk about the career path that brought him there. I um, have the pleasure of having responsibility for our talent planning, learning solutions, and leadership development processes at American. Uh, so that means I encompass all of those things related to the planning and development of our talent pipeline. Uh, the learning solutions platforms cover all of our uh, digital and uh, platform-based solutions, uh, curated programs that we have available electronically our compliance programs and things of that nature. Our leadership development um, uh, cadre of programs are um, programmatic, uh, facilitated uh, programs for uh, leadership and professional development, uh, both for our people leader population, our non-people leader population, as well as professional development programming. Those things that follow within our talent planning segment are things like performance management, succession planning, uh, the talent review processes, and we support our people business partners who support then the leaders within the business in implementing those activities. So we build program solutions, initiatives, strategies, research, and support tools that really support uh, the uh, leadership and operational activities for our talent across the globe. Wow. So that's three pillars, which are each substantial. Uh, give me a sense of how large the, the organization is that you lead to manage those three pillars and, and what's the size and, and scope of your learner population? Um, our learner population is roughly, and it and it varies, you know, in the count because we have um, the vast majority of our organization and our team members who are unionized. So when we when we do a count, um, we tend to put in a range of anywhere from one hundred thirty five thousand to one hundred fifty thousand team members, some of whom are unionized, some of whom are not union. Um, when we look at my team, my team currently is at uh, 22 headcount. Uh, we're currently staffed. We have some open positions that we're filling. So really, anybody listening to the podcast, if you have people who are interested in the airline industry and this talent uh, development, leadership development space, send them my way, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think having open roles is, is still the, the name of the game. And, and uh, while we're on that topic, actually, I wanted to, to uh, ask you how you saw the role of your team and your 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 group in uh, talent retention across the across the business, not just in your own team. 
Well, you know, that's a great question. And it's one that um, I and members of my team get really excited about because we see ourselves, the tools that we create and the activities in which we engage as being uh, purveyors of culture uh, and driving engagement through the acquisition of skills, knowledge and information. Uh, We really look at the activities in which we engage as those which allow our team members to expand uh, their scope, their awareness of how they grow their careers within the organization. You know, many people look to grow vertically, uh, going to advancing uh, into the next role, whereas we look and recognize that much of the development occurs laterally. So we try to position and equip our team members with understanding how to guide their careers, what skills, what tools are requisite to allowing that to happen, and ensuring that we can engage them by infusing uh, cultural messages that uh, attract, retain, engage them as they go through that process of acquiring skills. So on the on the topic of culture, uh, I, I think it's fascinating because because uh, you know, American Airlines is, a, is you know it's a global complex organization. You have as you mentioned union non union. You have you have people ranging from office environment to on the tarmac at airports and in the air and everything in between. Your that your your uh, you know your organization has a lot of people in a lot of places and a lot of very very different roles and types of roles. So how do you approach building a company culture? that brings all of those people together? Um, well, I, I will say that it's it's challenging, um, but a part of the challenge is what also breeds the excitement um, because you look not only for the idea of a, a unity of purpose, you know, for us, we focus on the idea of caring for people along life's journey. So that opportunity to interact, you know, with our customers, with uh, the flying public, with our, our passengers and those that support them, you know, in the idea that we're a relationship business. So we focus in on those opportunities to interact with and engage with those passengers, some who might Uh, be engaging with us because they're heading to a family wedding or to some other family gathering. You know, some who are uh, just taking the opportunity, especially now post-pandemic, you know, to take a vacation, uh, to travel, to see the world, sending kids off to college. So we have the opportunity to interact with people as they are engaging in those elements that make life life. And we seek to add value in that regard. But it is a challenge when you're looking at uh, the diversity of experiences, the diversity of approaches and um, the things that initiate those opportunities to travel. So we seek to embrace and interact with that also in diverse ways, ensuring that we have a diverse population of talent within the organization who bring with them diverse perspectives on how they might engage and how they might want to be engaged with so that we can present that sort of positive yet diverse perspective and, and face as we're caring for people along life's journey. So, just thinking about the, that that diverse global audience, I, I wanted to get down maybe a little bit into the into the weeds of of, of the learning and development programs that you support. Um, and I guess this probably would be mostly in the leadership development, but in the learning solutions areas. But 
uh, really it's about you know programs and delivery, and I want to talk with you a little bit about both. In uh, first. How do you determine and how do you make decisions about the programs that you offer? How do you identify learning need, again, while, while managing, uh, I'm, I imagine, a, a very diverse set of, of needs that would, and requests that would, that would come into your, your team? Well, we rarely um, uh, poll and assess um, our learning audiences to determine and to inquire about areas of need uh, that they have. We uh, regularly conduct uh, needs analyses um, around um, the expectations, the desires, the interests, the needs of our learning population. And we also monitor and apply metrics against programs that we roll out to determine how effectively those things are meeting the needs. So we um, are fairly fundamental in uh, applying uh, Kirkpatrick's model of uh, measurement and effectiveness in, in learning design. So we design with that end in mind. We uh, develop and curate content with that end in mind, and then we monitor how effectively that content delivers and imparts skills to the learning population. So we're very engaged in that regard. Uh, we utilize our ongoing uh, learning needs analysis uh, with our learning population to determine what are things that we're offering that are actually meeting their needs? What are things that we're not offering that they may be desirous of? And how might those things best be delivered to them? So in addition to looking at uh, content information from the needs analysis. We also look at modalities uh, because we know that, you know, given the nature of our business, we have a highly mobile population that uh, not only has a need for ongoing skill development, but needs to have that delivered in a variety of different ways. So we look for uh, how we can identify, focus in, and intensify the level of focus in specific content areas, but then offer a, a variety of uh, modalities in which that content can be delivered. So, with the with the the combination of using uh, the, the structured uh, structured measurement, as you say, Kirkpatrick and, and and surveys to understand what's working across the, the the learner audience, and I imagine there must be some delivery experimentation that happens along the way, trying to find the most effective modalities to reach uh, to reach your learners. What have you discovered along the way? Are there any are there any uh, learnings or advice that you would offer uh, based on based on your 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 journey and your process? Um, well, I mean, probably the best and most effective uh, piece of advice that I can offer is that uh, rarely does one size fit all. Uh, we are constantly challenged with ensuring that we can provide the right level of content to the right audiences at the right time. So that just-in-time sort of factor, you know, is always a component of how we design and deliver things. Um, there is an aesthetic that is required within the design, uh, not only in ensuring that you have governance around uh, best practices in learning and delivery, but that you're also creating a uh, an engaging and sometimes somewhat nuanced uh, slant to um, meet the needs of the diverse audiences. So, you know, whether we're looking at, you know, things that can be offered and delivered directly to your mobile phone or things that you can uh, deliver in uh, 
a variety of different web applications that can be self-directed or those things that are, are offered uh, real-time uh, with a uh, facilitated journey via um, a digital platform or an in-person platform. We're always looking for different modalities. And in some cases, we test content in a variety of different modalities to see which one is more or less effective. And we find differences by functional groups by different audience levels, by different regional applications, and then we try to determine the best one that we want to invest in and continue to curate and uh, promote within the organization. So you develop your own guidelines as you as you do those tests. Can you give me an example of, of one that you found that worked maybe that you didn't expect to? That, that's interesting because that, there's probably um, several that come up in that way, but I'll, you know, take for example, um, there uh, was a program that we worked on uh, that was really focused on uh, delivering uh, effective uh, performance and feedback conversations. And it was designed initially for a first level new leader audience you know, to ensure, I mean, because at that level, you know, you're overwhelmed, you know, just the enormity of the task of leading people, leading teams, you're new into the role, you know that you have to provide direction and clarity and setting goals, but you also have to provide feedback. So that's often a daunting task. So the uh, we developed a, ser- um, a set of programs, you know, to provide um, a cultural model for delivering feedback, understanding the context, infusing culture, and then putting a four-step feedback model in place that those new leaders could seek to use to enhance, you know, their feedback process. Um, it was designed for that frontline audience. What we found was that the frontline audience members were so enamored with it that they told their leaders who told their leaders who told their leaders. And so we had literally to expand the program offering because we had so many leaders beyond the frontline leader level who were saying, hey, I need this or my team members told me I need this. And so I need to learn more about this. So it was really surprising uh, because this was delivered in a uh, a, a distributed fashion. So we had a single facilitator who could have uh, anywhere from, uh, say, 80 to 120 participants, you know, on the line. We went through scenarios. We provided some opportunity for some uh, skill practice uh, in the course of the workshop. It was a hit. Literally, it went from us offering this uh, once a quarter to then once a month to now, I think by the end of this year, we will have offered, if not every week, then every other week, this this same program, because the audience set grew so dramatically because they saw that this was something critical to driving their effectiveness and it the modality fit. So that was the big piece. It wasn't just about the content. It was also about the modality. Yeah, and I, I love I love the the idea also that it, that it becomes a almost a, a viral uh, maybe that's the wrong word to use post pandemic but but a, a viral in the social sense and that in that it was picked up and and you had, you ended up it sounds like with internal oh, champions for for this absolutely. content absolutely I mean yeah. we we had uh, participants who literally reached out so we we'd have maybe a first line you know new supervisor you know in one of our our regional uh, airport hubs who would 
after participating in the program who literally went out and made it her business to ensure that every new supervisor went through this program. And they typically, they'd be slated to go at different points in their journey, but it was so profound and impactful for her that she literally went to her boss and said, hey, all of your new leaders need this. And they made it so. And, you know, again, it's it's always great when you operate in this space that you have a pull for your product and services. You know, quite often we find ourselves having to push things, you know, uh, out into the organization and they're going, we don't have time for this. We don't have space for this. But when you can get that level of pull, you know that you have something that's impacting not only their process effectiveness, but the cultural impact that it makes to ensure or to know that you have leaders across the board consistently applying a process. That's very powerful. Right. And it sounds like, and sometimes we talk about, you know, the learning function sort of existing in a cyclical uh, fashion inside an organization, right? We have, we have, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the learning programs that are created, they're executed and delivered, and then they're measured and there's follow-up. And then that closes the loop because if the, if you, if you're, if, if the, the follow-up creates demand again, you, you end up with a virtuous cycle. Correct. Um, it sounds like that, that, it's happening in 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 your example um, from demand for the for the learning, which is tremendous, which is a building block right of, of a learning culture that everyone sort of talks about. You know the 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 uh, uh, sometimes difficult to attain goal of building a learning culture. I also wanted to get your thoughts on on how that sort of cycle of feedback, as you mentioned, measurement and, and surveying learner populations being really integrated into what you're doing. How does that help you when you're talking about outcomes and impact to your colleagues, to the senior, most senior levels of the organization, the folks who are making uh, uh, ultimate budget decisions, for example? How, how does that? Well, how does that you, work? You just said the key word in that budget decisions. You know, and I, I I've not. Um, come across anyone who operates in this space who is immune, you know, to um, the constraints of budget. But I think when you design with the end in mind and you incorporate metrics into the design, then you're better positioned to address, you know, the uh, budgetary demands for whether it's additional headcount, additional uh, resources to support design, development, uh, evaluation, whether it's about um, being able to make more programmatic offerings. When you can look at a program, uh, discreetly identify the skills that are being enhanced and affected and influenced within the program, you can monitor the uh, pre-skill capability of the learner audience as well as post-program and then ongoing in their implementation and activation of those skills. You can monitor and then get some uh, bottom line dollarized impact that you can then factor into and deliver information to those uh, decision makers, you know, to help them make more effective decisions about the impact of learning in the organization. And that's really what we do. So that's a, that's a part of our accountability. It's a part of our aim. Um, 
it's not always easy because there are some things that are very difficult to measure and difficult to get discrete measures that you can uh, cut apart from other influencing agents within the organization. But we try to do our best you know, to identify that for our leaders so that they can make effective decisions. In my conversation with Tracy, we also touched on his career path and the roles that he held before his current position as Global Head of Learning for American Airlines. I was specifically interested to learn from him how he approached onboarding himself, that is to say, what steps he took as he assumed the leadership role. Here's what he said. First, I did not uh, start my career in the airline industry, nor did I start my career in the learning space. Um, I, I started actually in manufacturing operations uh, within PepsiCo. So my first job was making chips. And I always joke with people that if you want to talk about, you know, the amount of air in the bag, you know, talk to me because that was a part of my job, you know, initially was, you know, really kind of creating um, quantifiable metrics to determine how much air needed to go into the bag at the same amount of time as the product so that you had a really full looking bag, but only a certain amount of product. So, you know, I focused in on metrics, on quality, on process controls early in my career, and I've continued to leverage that. I got into the uh, learning and development space largely because I was training members of my team on process controls and process quality that led me to creating some learning tools to support them and others in other locations. And it just stuck. I fell in love with the process and I had the opportunity to deliver that, you know, within the corporate setting, then as an external consultant, you know, and working across a number of different uh, industries, incorporating, um, operational processes for learning design, for talent planning and strategy, for um, really creating overall organizational um, talent plans and mechanisms to drive the development of talent, uh, operating as an executive coach uh, during my consultative practices as well, really getting inside what are the skills that drive and support uh, the development of people so that they can then deliver against the goals of the organization. And I think that it's very critical for those who are operating or seek to operate in the learning space that you have to understand what is the organization trying to accomplish? Now, what is it that people need to be able to do effectively to ensure that that happens? And it's almost a reverse engineering uh, sort of design process because you then look at, okay, what are the type of roles that you need? How many people are in those roles? What skills do does it require for them to be effective? What learning do they have to have coming in the door and what things do you support and what cultures do you espouse as a part of that learning? I never separate learning and culture because that really is really the fuel that drives engagement. And as I've looked at those things over the course of my career, I have yet to find a day that I don't continue to 
be curious and fascinated by the combination of skills and practices that help to drive that. So for me, I came into the role not because my initial focus was on uh, talent planning, but I had a level of curiosity about how do you make these things work to drive and to enhance the effectiveness of the organization. What that has uh, distilled into is focus on the talent. Focus on the skills that the talent needs to be effective. You know, focus in on how you can impart that to a very diverse, very curious, very driven uh, population within the organization that is very focused on wanting to continue to grow and be successful, but has a variety of different ways in which they want to make that happen. So you have to be attuned to the idea of not just resting on your laurels and having one approach, but continuing to develop a multiplicity of approaches so as to drive against the individual aspirations as well as the organizational goals. Yeah, I love what you're saying about being curious because I think that is the core of, of so many things in, in you know asking the question, okay, why why is this happening? What you know not only what am I seeing, but why is it happening? And starting to break that down and 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 uh, you know breaking it down into perhaps you know more addressable smaller pieces. Okay, there's the the, the big why break that down into into its component parts and then address yeah it's it's interesting that you say it that way because i talk with my team you know a lot about okay let's identify the big rocks you know and the big rocks we want to make sure they become our north star they give us a sense of of, uh, focus a sense of purpose and we know okay we need to go that way. Now, there may be a variety of different things that are along the way that are little rocks that if we grab them all, we actually get to another big rock. And you've got to be focused in that way with that sense of purpose and focus, a level of curiosity about why does that exist? Why is that a problem? What are the possible uh, resolution points and how can we move that forward? Um, so, I do agree that that level of curiosity is important, but also curiosity with focus and purpose, you know, is really critical to really driving effectiveness. My thanks to Tracy Salters. If there's a topic or a guest you'd like to suggest for a future episode of this podcast, please let me know. You can contact me through the Axiom Learning Solutions website at axiomlearningsolutions.com. This podcast is a production of Axiom Learning Solutions. Axiom is a learning services company that provides learning teams with the people and resources needed to accomplish virtually any learning project or objective, from on-demand learning professionals who will work alongside your team, to complete learning content or project outsourcing. If you'd like to discuss how Axiom can support your learning goals, please contact us at axiomlearningsolutions.com. And thanks again for listening to the Axiom Insights Podcast.